0: Now, here we go. Are we live yet?
1: When I say now, I click the thing and then there's a couple of seconds of delay. So, yes.
0: Well, yay. Alright, well, now we are live and welcome to another Candid Tales post-show story chat. Today we are talking about... Uh, Talcson of Traian. so we're going to be hopefully joined by Oshin in a half an hour to chat up with the music of this one but this is an interesting well it's a mad week, it's a beautiful sunny day outside, I hope you're able to get outside and walk around a little bit um, if you're near the seaside, I hope you can go for a swim, if you're not, that's alright hope you can just stare at the sun for a bit uh, we're going to be talking about this story in a couple of minutes, but first of all Sirica, this was a bit of a <laughs> a mad week Wasn't it? Uh
1: Yeah I mean I feel like every week Is a bit of a mad week At the moment To be honest Like It's just all A bit weird Um
0: Well I mean This week We Would have been In our schedule In our calendar For Candle of Tales We would have had We would have been Ending Uh This weekend Actually Um a kind of a little bit of a festival tour to kick off festival season, which is definitely not going to happen this year because that's not going to happen. So it's just, it, it, it hit me last week. I was like, oh man, we were supposed to be going to a Fail in the down in Dingle, followed by Galway Theatre Festival, followed by the Hill at uh, uh, Ishnuk. And Marty was going to have, Marty William was going to, or Marty um, Mulligan was going to have us up there and uh, telling stories and lighting the fire. And that was going to be an amazing week. And I was really looking forward to it. And of course, that's not happening. But this week has been mad for a couple of other reasons. Because this morning, Saturday, um, the 9th of May, there was a darkness into light uh, at sunrise. And I've just seen loads of beautiful pictures, beautiful comments, uh, raising money for to House and raising money for uh, Suicide Awareness. And it's a great thing to be doing. And for that, I think everyone I know and certainly uh, has been touched in some way by suicide so it's a fantastic thing for mental health and awareness to be to be raising money and looking at the dark and the light because we've just left the dark half of the year going into the light half of the year. That's another thing that happened on Tuesday night in the hill of Ishnik somebody lit the fire to spread around and everyone tried to light fires as well and had the kind of light heart of the year celebration in their own homes a little bit. And I guess there was a little bit of sadness because the, one of the first businesses of, of uh, of popular, um, I guess what's the word? I don't know. Uh, something that has been in people's minds this week: Bewley's, uh on Grafton Street in Dublin City Centre has closed. And the only reason I mention it is because I was working there as a greeter, and I really enjoyed working there, and it brought me closer to Harry Clark windows, to the Jim Fitzpatrick amazing beautiful window of Crouthling, and one of ku Cullen's um, lovers, and it was. It was a Fionn's I thought it Collins huh. Well we'll have to tell that story now We'll have to tell that story now And uh, that closed down and that was very sad uh, You know but I'm asking people to help us find sources Because we're going to be talking about sources And the difficulty of, of telling stories without multiple sources In a little bit But um, yeah this, this week has been kind of a bit light And a bit dark there's been light days and dark days and I guess there's casualties in all of this and one of the first businesses to show a casualty uh, or have become a casualty of, of this whole COVID thing has been Bewley's. I'm sure there'll be many more. I'm sure we're, I know that we are struggling as artists and performers not to have gigs and many others are as well and it's a bit of a mad time and a mad week but I guess there is light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody is reshaping, regrafting and reorganising themselves to be online and you know, do stuff like this, and, and I don't know. I guess it's it's not all dark, it's not all pessimistic, and there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And when it's so sunny and full of summer, I kind of feel like, all right, you know what? It can't be all bad. Let's look at the positivity. Let's look at the good side of this. So that's my rant of week uh, weekly updates. That's it. That's the done. Okay, okay, I'm done. you done.
1: Cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Uh, oh wait, wait. <laughs> no, you're not. I you're forgot to mention thing you wanted to say you're
0: the great thing. The other amazing, heartwarming, kind of cry because I read it thing, which was the relief funded campaign for the Navajo and Hopi families because they, they need it. And they, they were a Native American tribe that needed a lot of help because they were basically just in the pits and needed some uh, serious help Well, they've, help for uh, they've been situation. hit
1: particularly hard, as, as a lot of marginalized communities have in the States uh, and around the world and uh the people of Ireland decided to repay a favor uh which was something quite touching. There's a monument to it down in middleton um the Choctaw people of 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 uh native America uh, of of America sent hundred and seventy dollars in famine relief during the Goethe War the great hunger and uh they didn't have any money to spare, and it was very sweet and it was very touching. And they're being hit really, really hard by COVID. And so uh, there's a GoFundMe now. And a lot of Irish people are sending uh, relief to... I'm not sure why they're not sending relief to the Choctaw tribe. I'm not sure if there is an organization there to send relief to or if this is some no, like no moment, dumbassery. It's but
0: it's, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful it's just Irish people getting very confused by the whole situation and not really sure which tribe it was. They gave them money for so it. Doesn't matter. I don't know if that's trouble. what it is.
1: I don't know if that's what it is I don't know if that's if that's true or not but anyway we are we are sending uh, Irish people are sending relief to the uh, Navajo and Hopi um, nations which is just really nice
0: because so I was a little bit confused like oh the chat thought people gave us money so we're giving money to Hopi and wait a second
1: what wait what uh, but
0: anyway that doesn't matter
1: it's, I don't it's, know uh, it's, it's hopefully you've hope you've donated uh, hopefully it's the thought that counts has, and it's amazing and hopefully because it's getting to the people things- who need it
0: yeah but one of the things I read was like that the people who set up this thing this fundraiser was because a lot of the older the elders in the tribes still had the customs they were the ones that had the language they were the ones that had the stories and the belief systems and they weren't necessarily being passed on and so when one of the elders dies in a community a library dies and i was like blown away by that because i guess like I was just listening to Eddie Lennon as well uh, during the week and talking about his source of collecting stories from the elders and how much there is and how much they're just in, in, in yeah, a library. We have a father who's probably going to be listening to this um, who has a library in his own brain and I don't know how many stories will go on with him when he like doesn't pass them on or write them down. Write them down, Tony. Write a book. Anyway, sorry. Um, Slight tangent but I mean like it was kind of beautiful to think that the the source of their connection to their traditions was oral an oral tradition that hasn't necessarily been passed down but it's been trying to be kept alive so anyway I thought that was beautiful and it was a nice light through the dark type thing as this day kind of stands for (sighs)
1: so Talc's son of Treon (laughs) <laughs> is the no story that guess. we're talking uh, about now that we've we've I know remember when we were like let's not spend too long on it and then it was 10 minutes anyway it's fine
0: <laughs> I mean I got excited the whole novel thing was you know, um, you know it it's very emotional I mean this story is a bit emotional um, it's a topsy-turvy one we're on the FINA and we're talking about we've been talking about the FINA for a while and this story crept up and I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell it because it's mental But I thought it might be a nice precursor to telling the Battle of Entry. Because it has a couple of little similarities to it. And it has this bad guy who's basically a giant cat. Or he's a cat head and a a cat tail. Giant cat. Um, And cat head monsters come up in the Battle of Entry as well. And dog heads. But I guess... To to really briefly summarise the story A woman comes in search of help from the Fianna And Fionn sounds adored Fionn. When he hears that her husband Or the man she's been cursed and bound to Is Talcson of Treon A giant cat with an army who's following her And he helps her stand against him Of course, most a a thousand men die by Talcson of Treon Eventually they kill Talcson of Treon The cat dude And a few avenge cycles happen. Two, three more guys train like avenged. And then the wife does. And there's a big lament. And it's all very sad until finally they win the battle. They uh, beat everyone off, Ireland's shores. And they turn to the woman that started this whole thing, asking Fionn for uh, help. And she turns around and she dies. Just like that yep Uh, so so we
1: we had some interesting kind of conversations about this one because this was one that like it it as you say it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster and it goes through so many kind of mood changes that this is the kind of thing that works really 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 well in a live show and um is something that we have a lot of fun with live because In a live performance, it's really um, it's kind of one of our things now at this point to really kind of handle those tone shifts and to kind of like go from funny to sad to exciting and like to to take people on that kind of journey. And it's something that's a lot more difficult when you're when you're telling a story uh, into a microphone for a podcast. Like it's a oh, very boy, different thing. And I, I definitely struggled with the with that uh with the same issue when I was talking um or when I was telling the the Hunt of Sleeve Gullion uh last week and uh, another news story this week that'll be coming out um soon. Uh it's a different situation. So maybe talk a little bit Ar, about how you got on with it. Cause I know the point at which you kind of like called me for a three hour conversation.
0: Like it's really interesting. This, I think the next time we have a live show, I'll definitely do this story because it'll be the first time that we'll ever have done the process in reverse. Every single one of our podcasts up to date have all been episodes bar your one. Of course, I just had personal experience last week Um this, this so, this week I had personal experience of not telling a story live, and this time it will be um, doing a pod, podcast to kind of to, to sort out the teething problems with it because it's different to writing a story, the flow of an oral story needs to have certain uh, highs and lows and have certain pauses. to to allow you to listen to it, I think this story would have been a lot of crack live because you can play up the big fight between Oscar and Talikson and Treon, and it goes on for five days and five nights until Oscar finally kills Son and Treon. And let's leave a big long silence there as we look at people who are listening. The melody can keep on going, and then I can wait and judge when to come in with the next series of kind of ridiculous, funny, hilarious events would have been funny with a live audience but
1: just, well like just definitely we would have played that for laughs yeah sure that's not necessarily the traditional way of telling the stories it's just like we definitely do yeah, sure. that when something goes like really ridiculous we will tend to play it for laughs because it's it's just kind of that's our style we we'll find the well, humor where we can
0: i think playing playing for laughs is 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 something that you know is cataclysmic and can be terrible. And, and, and like, I think you should not do in like performances, play something for a specific laugh. But I think when you end up seeing something that is like one guy comes up and asks for retribution and then he gets killed and then his sons come up for ask for retribution and they get killed. And then his wife comes up. Right? And it's just like, all right, like, and it's a bit ridiculous. Now, the other problem that I had with this is because I was only using one source. A Lady Gregory source, and I had zip zilch nada. No other source for information, no other interpretation to to pull it apart and go. Oh, actually, that's not the important bit. This is something that's more important. Whereas she has so much information, it's kind of. I recorded it three times, and eventually I called you. Like, all right, I can't. I don't. I don't know what I'm. T- what story I'm telling here, and I'm trying to tell five different stories in one go, and I had to pull it apart and. I guess we do this with the live shows anyway. You know, we pull it apart before in, in rehearsal, in our, in our, you know, um, community of how we do it. And, and, uh, and, and then we finally get to a point where we can test it in a live audience and then maybe the next time we do it it's a bit tighter and we go, oh we actually need to do that or you give me that bit of feedback or I give it to you and then it works and musically we find it as well we might hit a beat and go oh that was actually wrong there we need it's not actually that funny funny we need to play that kind of somber and allow it become funny or whatever it is you know we just we have, we find it in the live and then we we can more easily, yeah. do, more it in easily the po- do it in the that's the
1: bit that I think is, is important is the the finding it in the live and that's kind of a really key part of our process is actually like and that's why you know we always have that kind of little bit of mm, disagreement tension I don't know if it's quite a disagreement but we always have a little bit of a push pull about how much rehearsal to do especially with a new story and like on one level you have to rehearse if you have like more than two performers you don't have to rehearse if you have one storyteller and one musician and they both know what they're doing by the way Like we've we've done that before where we'll go and like do it very spontaneously and very organically. And like I really, really heavily favor, especially with a new story, under rehearsing it so that you can find those moments in the live. Because I think that you'll never write something better than what will come to you when you're on stage. You just won't. It's a different form of creativity, and that's, that's why I really resist uh, sometimes uh, rehearsal, um, because I just think it's, it's the organic nature of doing it live is better, but then other times, like we don't necessarily have the time to test it out and do multiple iterations of it live. Like we do sometimes, because we do live shows um, in dif- like we do the same set of stories multiple times over the course of a month. And you'll see it evolving. And like, you know, we have a very, very uh friendly crowd in the harbour bar, which is usually where we do the first Wednesday of every month. And they are very they are very um tolerant of our slip ups when we kind of go in like that. Um and I think it kind of works in that atmosphere. Um, but it, it, it allows us to find those moments in the story and find those changes and find those bits and those beats um so that absolutely, was like absolutely. that really showed highlighted for me um as well when i was doing it uh the the how vital that part of it is
0: yeah um and I and I guess like we um, we we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Oshin hopefully if he can get a good enough uh, reception in terms of the musicality aspect of it because he found it really difficult to put music onto it and find and feel the beats out of this one as well. Uh, but we'll park that for a moment because I guess whatever about um, like the, the the rehearsal process or the 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 lack thereof sometimes I think that comes with the fact that we can can do that and have done so many of the stories. At such like uh, performance level that once we get a new one, I know Rue doesn't like being thrown totally in the deep end without a prep, without a you know, without something. And of course, it, it depends always on the story. And this story is mental. Let's face it; it's bonkers. It starts off with a dream that Fionn McCool has of of war coming or a giant cat uh, coming and and wreaking doom on the nation and a woman comes and asks Flamakul for protection and says, I've been bound, I've a gesh on me never to break servitude for um, Talcson of Treon and I have to, I've been running away from him because he's a cat, basically and can you protect me? No king in the world has ever protected me I'm asking you to save me from this monster Now, I didn't know what to make it out initially at all
1: she wasn't under a guess in the original story sorry that's yeah, sure. that's a that's a thing that we put in because like and this is I think a conversation kind of worth having a little bit about about lady gregory and uh I don't think this is necessarily like her fault. I have huge time for the the work that she put in in collecting and collating these stories, but she was very much a product of her culture and her time. And that means that a lot of the time when you were working from her as a source, like the example I always think of is the, the story of um, Manya Morgor, where you get Crohor uh, Meknesa kills one of Maeve's sons in single combat, and it gets about three pages of action. And later in the same story, Queen Maeve of Connacht kills in succession two of Crohor Meknesa's sons, and it gets one line. And like the way that women are marginalized in those stories is like it is profound and it is constant and it actually makes some of the stories make less sense. And I think Talkson of Trayon is one of them because there's two really important things that are like not really set up particularly well by Lady Gregory. The first is maybe not actually uh, a Lady Gregory problem. Maybe it's just, you know people who are not very familiar with Irish mythology might be surprised to see that Gronya is Fionn McCool's wife in this story. This is the same Gráinne who was running away from Fionn with Diarmid and who, was, who is Diarmid O'Divna's widow. Uh, she marries Fionn McCool after Diarmid's death. That's what Gronya does. Now we know that her daughter Eicthoc goes on to try and murder the man, but Gronya forgives Fionn and marries him which is interesting that's that's the thing that happens in Irish myth Uh, the other thing is that in the Lady Gregory version you don't get a Gesh this woman is bound to a man called Son of Treon who she claims is a monster but there's no real um, description of him being monstrous other than the fact that he's you know got the head and tail of a cat Um. And then at the end of the story, because I don't want to go too heavily into summarising it either because it's, it's such a complicated story to summarise. We'll, we'll just end up reiterating it all day. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all good. At the end of the story, in the Lady Gregory version, she looks at the destruction and feels that it's her fault and dies of grief, which is a really common trope in Irish mythology, by the way. If you have a leftover woman at the end of the story and you don't know what to do with her, she just dies of grief. It just ties that loose end up. But when we were reading. I mean, it, it also
0: happens with fathers and. with, with Like, the father of the, the, the three sons of uh, Tyrion, they, they, he just dies. Like, it happens with. Like, it's like, oh, leftover, I'll just. They die, die of grief. It's all very sad.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not always women. It's just usually women. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so she dies of grief at the end um and yeah that was definitely a bit that where we were talking about it and i and it really struck me as being very kind of like the modern term being kind of victim blaming like here is a woman who is fleeing from a monstrous man who she's terrified of and she asks everybody for help and protection and uh he's the one who comes after her and kills a thousand men she's not responsible for his actions so we decided in that, con- that three hour conversation to put a gesh on her uh, because uh, gasa are another trope in but Irish mythologies because- that are, are kind of useful but it was
0: actually interesting to finally be on the receiving end of a, oh, hang on, there's a plot point here that doesn't make sense. So we need to make it make sense. And will we just use a Gesh? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. like that's what, that's exactly. what was done, you know, that's how it was done. And it was like, oh, so she had a Gesh in her. And that's the, that's the that, that makes perfect sense. If you break a Gesh, you, evo- you invoke doom and um, you call down whatever tyranny the... the w- have you definitely on you.
1: said have the wrong on one in the podcast. Damn <laughs> I
0: definitely said the wrong one in the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. We we had a big long discussion about invoke versus evoke and what they both mean. Uh the live stream cut out for a second there and I'm not quite sure what bit it cut out, but just so people know that we this will this will be going out as a podcast as well. So if the video cuts out, you can listen to the podcast version in a couple of days, in case you missed anything. Sorry about that. Yeah.
0: Sorry, internet. Gerda, the murder. All right, well, okay, so tell me... um, It's Tags and Trey and she's running away from him and all of a sudden we have this uh, great band of warriors, the Fianna, standing up against her for her, you know, and a thousand men die straight away. And then in, in her reading... Another thousand men are sent to quit to Macron. on. I just, for simplicity, just kind of went, all right, let's just make it a thousand. But regardless, it was an interesting one, especially after kind of listening to Eddie Lennon during the week where he kind of told a World War I story about a young fellow going off to war. I was just kind of reminded of how disposable young men are in these stories and how, and like I know we say in the Fianna, a third of them were banned Fianna and there were there were women in the Fianna as well and it's important to remember it, but the disposable nature of young men in history as well as mythology is extraordinary and something that I think is overlooked on a frequent enough basis when you kind of, the glorification of war becomes about one man getting to the top or the whatever but there's a thousand men or young boys in in frequent cases that have died and like Eddie Lennon's story was about a young fella who was on a farm and walked off to sign up he was 16, 17 his parents tried to get him back and he was off in France getting killed the following year like these tragedies of just young masculinity and and the idea of joining the FINA and being involved in this group and just a thousand of them died that was it
1: yeah, and there's no kind of mourning for them, and there's no, there's no, um, they get no eulogies, they get no names, and I think like, for me, the the big Irish myth about the disposability of of young men and the tragedy of that and the tragedy of of the war culture, is the ton and the Cúchulainn story as a whole, because that is that makes it be a tragedy, like the whole of the boys troop are slaughtered, Cúchulainn dies as a young man. Um, but it, even though there's like there's and that's definitely kind of like our reading of the ton It's not always told as a tragedy. It's often told as a glorious war story, and has been used in the past as a propaganda tool to get young men to go out and and, and die in war. Um, yeah, nineteen sixteen yeah. rising was very very much about that. Um, but I yeah I think it's I think that's a that's a valid point. Is that like these Fianna stories. Often a high body count is just used to denote how cool a battle is or how badass the bad guy is without really thinking about like, oh, these are these are people who are dying. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and and I guess kind of like the, the survival of the tribe in a lot of kind of older cultures was dependent on I'm not going to say male sacrifice, but essentially the disposable young men in the tribe that could be sent off to battle or or hunt and die. Whereas, like, I guess that, I know that that was a big thing in in these cultures was. Well, that's
1: was that's a lives. big big thing in any patriarchal culture. It yep. is built yeah. on men sacrificing their lives and women sacrificing themselves. And that's that's the that's what a a good man is prepared to go out and and give his life to defend his tribe and a good woman doesn't get to have any sort of personality or dreams of her own because her function is biological um and everybody is is supposed to sacrifice for the greater good um but in different ways and and it 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 allows it allows access to different forms of expression and self-expression and it allows access to different uh kinds of tragedies um but definitely the the whole line about you know dulce et decorum est pro patria mori is core to any patriarchal system uh and you still have cultures like that today that that very much glorify war and glorify sacrifice and glorify like the sacrifice of the warrior to defend, you know, the 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 lifestyle and the um, the culture as a whole and the values of the culture as a whole like that's that's entirely ongoing. But that's that's yeah, that's a that's kind of um, that's not a that's not it's a bug sh- of patriarchy. That's a feature. <laughs> Yeah, but again, but it's it's just,
0: what it for me, it's just shone a light on it, you know, really like the, the fact that a thousand men went and, and died and then another thousand men went and said, like, whoa, 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 let's let's just like back up and, and reflect on that for a moment. And I, I guess that's what these post show story, these post show chats are all about is taking the time to actually just dig a little deeper into these stories, because as we were looking at, again, that one source, it's interesting. You only get actions. You don't. She, Lady Gregory doesn't in, describe the internal dialogue, internal workings of any of it, and that's an Elizabethan style. And so you have to pick it apart.
1: That's that's an older than Elizabethan style. That's a mythic style. You get that in the Homeric okay. uh, Odyssey as well. There's no, you don't you don't say uh, Achilles felt sad. You say Achilles wept. Everything is externalized in myth. That's it's kind of one of the right. things about it. It's just it's also one of the things that we always change because it makes it quite uh, inaccessible if you're not used to that style. Like we're so, really, it was the novel that gave us that kind of internalization. Um, and to some extent, Shakespeare, who we were talking about, like it was, it was drama and it was like monologues and people talking about their feelings um, that probably started on the stage and then went into the, the novel form. But yeah, mythology as a whole doesn't do that. Um, how's yeah, it going, yeah, yeah. Tony? that's that's hey, Tony, is Tony yes he is that's so awesome. is Oisin, uh who made a comment um, and we might actually get Oisin in into the chat soon or did you want to sure, say any more about right. talk yeah
0: I, I kind of um, just to wrap up on, on that final point of like the fact that we only had the actions to tell this story means we had to talk about it for about three hours to pick it apart and understand and there was there was a lot of layers in it. Considering Grania is involved in this pretty heavily and has this kind of like she crops up at the start and at the end, and she is the one who shows pity on this woman who's lamenting for the death of her husband, and this woman keeps on alba of the of the fair face or the bright face. I think I interchanged those in the in the telling. Um, bright face, fair face. Um, you know. Uh, bright fair face. Uh, but anyway, Alba is lamenting and she goes off in this one and kind of goes like if not for the treachery of Fionn, they'd have been grand and Grony warns her, she goes, Okay, I know you're grieving, you're fine, but let's not do that. Let's not blame Fionn, it wasn't his fault. She ignores her a second time, she says to the seat of Fionn. Grony's like, Okay, that's fine, but stop that, please. Come in and have a drink and you know a third time she ignores her. At that stage Gronig's like, Alright, I tried to be nice, but Okay, oh, yeah. and it was just a really interesting female on female little bit because it just showed a woman having a kind of a, a lament for her husband and a tragic thing while surrounded by a lot of men and a lot of men died, and then this female perspective going, okay, that's fine. Let's let's meet sadness with softness, and then then getting rigid and hard and annoyed.
1: I think it's a very it's a very groanier moment, and it's real like queen energy for me as well, where it's like. I'm going to give you space for your feelings and I'm going to acknowledge them as valid. But this is where the boundary is. Okay, maybe you didn't hear me the first time. This is where the boundary is. And I'm going to give you extra kindness. And then if you cross it again, it's like, boom, fuck you, die. (laughs) Which is real, like, I feel like there's a real, like, Bridget is very like that as well. Like a lot of these kind of powerful female characters. It's like there is compassion but there are really strong boundaries, and when you cross the boundaries, you you might you'll get a warning. Maybe from some of them, you don't always. And when you cross the boundary too much, I just think it's I, I it cracks me up. I think it's a I think it's a great moment for Grania, um, and it's a great little it's a it's such a lovely intervention of her just being like, no, we're not going to kill this grieving woman, because she doesn't know what she's saying oh, no, she knows what she's saying and she's choosing to say it anyway? Right, yeah, no, let's kill her.
0: <laughs> but it also gives her a lot of kind of uh, power, like you said, a, a kind of a queen-like position because she's now married to Fionn and to put her as the same character who's married to Diarmuid is is just baffling until you kind of go into okay they were both grieving for the death of Dear Midden. you kind of move on from that and now but she's a very strong character and she's just referred to as this again doing character she she does stuff and she's by uh, Fionn's side but we don't quite understand the internal world for her so it's kind of an interesting one to, to tease apart and go what's going on with Gronia? but
1: like- I like Gráinne I, I, I get Gráinne. She's she's yeah I get it and you don't, I, don't need to tell will me I never get women uh, I know I think, <laughs> I think it is hilarious how, how baffling you find Gronia sometimes because it's just like to me I'm just like yeah no absolutely <laughs> 100% is huh come again <laughs> cool cool so, okay, explain Gronia <laughs> to right. me again uh, okay so we're gonna move away from talk son of Treyon now and we're gonna bring Oshín well, in hopefully
0: talk Oshín about talk son of and music yes. And why he found it so difficult to put music on, and to hear from Ashin about music in general and what he does with the Candle Tales podcast and how it differs to the live shows. Okay, I'm gonna,
1: uh, I'm gonna join him into the conversation here, and uh, it'll take a couple of minutes, so maybe keep saying what we're going to talk to Ashin about.
0: (laughs) That's uh, you literally blew my cover. Like I was literally doing that, kind of hoping that you were just. In the background God damn it Sibling telepathy Come on Like I was I was doing it I was bluffing Yeah it doesn't zoom Just messes up
1: So we We currently have a little Black square Where Ushin should be
0: Nice Nice Yeah he's a He's a pit He can be a pit of um, Emotions
1: Uh, (laughs) Listen, All of us can be a pit of emotions Especially at the moment
0: So many emotions so many emotions to know what to do with them all. Uh, I I swim in a sea. That was my cure this morning. I was like, I'm going for a cycle. I'm not feeling very meh. So I cycled to the sea and jumped in the water. And there's Oshin. Yay. Hello, Oshin. Welcome to Oshin's little studio. This is where he makes all of the, the final sounds and edits on can the Candle Tales podcast this is his den his Warren uh, his, he's frequently confused and moving stuff around but um, yeah <laughs>
1: we, got a, we got oh, a comment Shane, how are you doing we got a comment there from uh, Sarah Tully where she says a lot of Irish women these days are similar to Gronia without the literal death and it must be in our blood see I am not the only person who identifies as Gráinne and thinks that she's class
0: and I, I agree with her you know I think that's fantastic I don't get modern Irish women either so, um, <laughs> I'm getting a bit of a buzzy thing going on.
1: There was a weird buzzy crackle from somewhere, it's uh, gone. It stopped, <laughs> excellent. It stopped. It, stopped. it stopped. Uh, how's it going, Osh? all right,
0: Oshane? So, how are you how are we getting on? Great, great.
2: Yeah, that 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 story was difficult for me as well. I couldn't get there. And after listening to you guys talking about it for the last half an hour, and then working on it all week, it's definitely like it's because we didn't do it live. Yeah. Um, we, it, it, and when I think about the amount of time we actually put into the live stories, we talk about them for hours and hours and hours every. You know, like we really do put an awful lot of. Time. Like, that we don't necessarily treat as rehearsal mm. per se what it is it's 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 not necessarily, like we're not actually rehearsing exactly what we're going to do but we're rehearsing how we're going to approach it and i think with this talks on the tri answer, we just didn't replicate that process remotely as we should you know yeah you know and uh well we eventually did yeah <laughs> and then it worked you know it kind of worked but after the fact then there's still listening back there's bits where i'm like ah
0: But interestingly, I replicated my process with Soroka in terms of how to piece the story together, but I didn't link that in with you. Um, So as a result, you were left a little bit askew because the story changes with the music. And as we've always found, the story evolves nicer and you find moments and you find something out of the story with putting music into it. So... Without without the third piece to that puzzle, we all found it more difficult. I think, um, because we didn't have that. I didn't have that kind of flowing conversation with you. I just gave you a finished kind of story, um, that hadn't been teased out musically.
2: Yeah. Um. I'm gonna sound like f- fairly kind of out there now when I say, but like you know with the way I'm always talking about the musical hyperbrain, where they've actually managed to. Be- measure brainwave patterns a sync up when musicians are, are performing together or whatever. Well, I'm fairly certain that, that that happens in a lot of situations. They just haven't tested it or measured it yet.
0: Mm. Hang on. I know about Super Musical Hyperbrain. I know surrogate knows about Super Musical Hyperbrain and rudos and we all know that you talk about it a lot. But why don't you explain to the listeners what Musical Hyperbrain is, Oshin
2: <laughs> Okay, so a few years ago um, I think was Harvard did a study on the brainwave patterns of musicians performing and if focused specifically uh, and the reason that they did this study was because according to brain surgeons that they can actually tell physically the difference between a musician's brain and another brain when they look at it post mortem the musician's brain actually grows an extra little bit here to deal with the music section over their lifetime huh. yeah can I kind of chip in and tell us what that is Yeah, it it, it might explain why um, when people have strokes, they're still perfectly able to perform music afterwards. Um, I know of at least two people (laughs) that one one had a stroke and lost the ability to speak, like day-to-day speech, but was still able to get up on stage and perform a set, singing the songs perfectly. No problem, but could not speak for about a year after the stroke. Wow. You know, so whatever part of the brain physically deals with that is it's different for the stored music, the memory. Anyway, so that's a, that's a, a slight tangent on that one, and the next one is that. Um, so the hyperbrain was when they measured the baseline of the music in the room. And say a baseline pattern of your brainwave is that's grand. and then just before and every you now mine's going like this and yours has going like this so we've got like you know a slightly out of sync patterning going around and then just before they were about to start playing together they, they just synced up so they were able to measure this kind of telepathy if you will that happens in a certain part of the brain synchronized timing so when you hear about the the chemistry of a band the, the, that was always talked about the chemistry of the brain the mm. brain is controlled by chemicals the chemicals control the brain wave pattern so that literally was like well they nailed that one <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah,
1: yeah that is what that is and I I think the... sorry um, I I think that definitely happens when we're all on stage together as well like I know it hasn't been measured I know there have been studies measuring um storytellers and and people listening to stories and how they will get the same like uh, the visual parts of the brain will light up if a storyteller is describing a visual scene and if a storyteller is describing a physical action the physical part of the brain of the listener will light up so like there's all kinds of really interesting neurological slash telepathic things going on when you're storytelling and then when you bring in the the musical side of that as well I think it all synchronizes into something really interesting. And you're right, actually. What I, what, I, what I call rehearsal and don't like is running things and practicing them, whereas what also is rehearsal...
0: As per, as per performance. performance. Yeah, yeah, as
1: you're going to do it in a performance, whereas what also is part of the rehearsal process that actually we do need to keep doing in, in, uh, in this situation is the conversations that we have about the stories and about the music.
0: Yeah. And I guess you just reminded me there of um, a direction I was given when I was in college by Rob McFeely of Fregoli Theatre Company. Go on, Rob. But, and I told you this Ocean, before, but like as an actor, as a performer, if you're describing something, uh, if you see it, the audience will see it. You know but you have to visualize it first and then and then they can jump in on your wavelength and if you can see the ocean with the beautiful sun streaking across it with like going straight towards it you're sitting on a rock looking at it then they can see it too you know but like you have to see it first and that's the only way you can do it and then and then yeah
2: ocean. Well, yeah and um, we were we were speaking about this yesterday i think and that's eventually what I had to do when I was uh, listening to the story and putting the music to it was sit there and visualize sitting in the harbor with a crowd and picture how they'd react to this whole thing going on because I just I quit. normally when I put the music to it, it's, it's a start to finish. So I'll, I'll, I'll work it out and listen to the story a few times and then I'll kind of I'll play it as one track. So if it's a fifteen-minute story, I'll, I'll play a fifteen-minute track under. It. And there's usually, you know, it's not obviously a hundred percent bang on or whatever, but it's there. And I leave those little bits in because otherwise it just sound like generated. Mm. Um, but for this one, I I kind of changed the, the rhythm as well because I did it more like um, because it was a really bizarre tone story. I felt like it had a really bizarre rhythm to it it was like you know just not it wasn't as jaunty. like when I heard the story first I got always I like yeah feel the story yeah Oscar yeah, yeah
0: yeah 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 then it just it falls into a yeah it fell into <laughs> It's getting sad and sad and sad, and it's a mad story. But like that's again, that's where like the live thing would have brought it to. All right, let's take the piss out of it. But it was just it be, without that feedback, and weirdly enough, without like if you and I had been in the room together, I'd have gone, okay, we can't go into the ah, oh, we need to have something brighter here or whatever. But when you're just sitting there with a recorder, trying to get it through and 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 pick it so that it'll be listening to, and there's a lot of detail. I don't know it was it was a different different process but I guess in terms of all of all of the podcasts because we we've released some live uh recordings of our live shows as podcasts and we still actually haven't really heard much feedback from people other than hey we love it um but what's your interpretation of the difference between doing a live show with live music even if it's just one musician or a number of them, uh compared to the podcast musical scoring what? How? What's the big difference for you in that?
2: Um, the big difference for me is that I really have to. Like, I find the live shows a lot of fun. I really, they're very interactive, um, and especially when we started to do the weekly ones, we really started to have a lot of fun with them because we had we had a set, and it and, and then it kind of turned into the. Like, okay so how do you want to tell this story this time so it's like okay are we going to tell it happy are we going to tell it sad are we going to tell it funny are we going to tell it serious and as in uh, and for putting the music to it i have a kind of a library of stuff that i can pick from and it can just float in and out of it and we're looking at each other always there's hand signals there's gestures there's a whole lot of the kind of stagecrafty things that are, are almost subliminal to us now um and, of course, then there's the feedback that you get from the people in the room. So I can see if, if something that I'm doing... I, I guess you can tell straight away if you play something for a story and, you know, if you can see five people start to kind of nod their head or tap their foot or something. And you're like, okay, cool, this is a flow. least everyone's getting into this. Or you can see if people are just kind of... you know, okay, hang on. Quickly change that into something else. It's, it's not working.
1: Um, plus... We have the option when we're doing a live show that if 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 something isn't working we can always go hang on a second and take a breath Mm.
2: and rework it and just start off because that's that's the beauty of that live experience but with the podcast i also try to make it a lot more understated and it's just literally i'm trying to follow the tone of the story with a with a pulse it's just the idea of what I'm trying to do is to just have this little kind of warm blanket there that'll just keep you in the story zone. And then the story takes away, you know, takes everybody away. So you, once you put the headphones on, that's it. You're in the story. And it's going to just keep it floating, you know, so it's relaxing, it's interesting, it's easy to focus. If your mind wanders, it'll wander into
0: the flow of the story. and back... Mm-hmm. Mm. To the, to, um, that kind of answers. Uh, Anna uh, asked, each live performance can change with the storyteller. Usheen, how do you operate then? That's a good point because we have a number of different storytellers that we work with. And so, oftentimes, if we have the same show, a different storyteller, we might tell different stories quite differently. So, how do you find you operate then?
1: We tell the same story differently uh, as well. Sorry. But like, what I mean, that's what I mean. As in, I will tell the same story differently the next time I do it. Like, we'll—it's it, always different when we when we do it live. Uh, sorry, Ish, I cut across there. Go.
2: Um, I was just going to say that, <laughs> um, but in terms of different storytellers and styles, um, each storyteller tends to have their own preferred type of rhythm. Uh, and a lot of the story are their and their own kind of flow. So I just, oh, like because we've been doing it for a while, like we, we just know which one suits which people. And then for vocal tones, it's uh, just a simple enough key change. You know, don't play anything that's going to conflict with the voice. So that the the, the, the storyteller's voice is kept clear in the signal. That's the main thing that they do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Rue is standing by, uh, my housemate, and I guess he's another one of the uh core uh group of musicians that work with us, uh which we're very, very lucky to work with such amazing performers. Uh, I know you live with Audrey Trainer, the other um uh, the f- fiddle player of Candlet Tales, or. You know, the fiddle player of numerous other uh, extravagant, amazing things that she does. Um, and we've been lucky to work with some amazing musicians. And when the music is too confusing or too uh, elaborate, it tends to distract from the story. So in podcast, it seems to have gotten simpler and simpler. And like you said, I love that little blanket idea just to leave a little blanket to kind of hold the story. Um, and it like in live show, I think it's just it's an atmosphere binder. You know, it makes it's just like ah, oh, it's something to fall into. But if it gets overly complicated, you only listen to the music and you forget about the words. So it's we all we're always navigating that thin line of trying to make sure that we're supporting the story, not not distracting, not overcomplicating it. You know.
2: Um, shout out to Richard March for his valued feedback on that.
1: Yes, <laughs> that is true. Because actually that's Yeah.
2: he has given me some very very good and extremely specific feedback after shows um, especially in relation to um, say hearing deterioration in older people you know like I'm in my 40s so that means that my mid range vocal is starting to dip off and that's the same for a lot of people that are getting older The, the part of your hearing that's able to hear voices starts to get muddier so in ambient noise, it's harder to pick out a voice. So the more noise that's around the voice, the harder it is to focus on each of the words and rigid. And um, was a great gauge for that, you know, because it was kind of, and even to the point where, I've got a new hearing aid this, this time and I'm trying to see whatever. And it was actually really invaluable because I kind of look at him and go, okay, if he can hear everything and he's happy, then I know that's the kind of the range to stick in within. And then experiment
0: around that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah to um, to always, it, uh, if everybody can hear you in the room, um, you're, you're, you're obviously doing your job right. If, if uh, somebody with hearing aid is struggling or had struggled before, and um, we got a lovely comment there from Sarah Tully. Thank you very much um, for yeah. She thinks the music is the uh, icing on the cake. It enchants the audience and transports them right into the story. That's kind of because it was always supported by music, wasn't it? He was always supportive of music. Um, well, Rue is
1: the... Um, the original yeah, and yeah, Tales musician. Um, so this Roo might be a nice... Rue said he'd he be here by now. Might be a nice note to bring Rue in. Um,
0: I mentioned Rue about five minutes ago, hoping that he'd actually come in, but... Um,
1: I think you he said he was listening like, live, and he I think you need to be less subtle, Aaron. <laughs> I think you Roo, just need to, like... come
0: in here now.
1: You know... A bit like with the you vamping while I was supposed to getting ushin get on, you know. Uh, I
0: also I also messaged him. I also sent him a text. Like, what do you want? You also just like to, a to write a message. You
1: wrote "Roo" in the live stream comments. I'm just, there.
0: I'm just doing literally everything I can do to get him in the room. Huh. I'm like, there
1: hey. he is. Hi, hey, Roo. <laughs> you
0: got the cue. Now I'm going to have to take this off. Hopefully, this won't. Will this interfere if I take this off?
1: We might get an echo. We're not sure.
0: Okay. Okay. We'll see if we get an an echo. echo. Are we getting getting an an echo?
1: echo? Uh well, I don't know. Are we? Uh well, does anyone hear an echo? I I don't know. know. Are we? Can you hear an echo? Can you hear an echo? (laughs) Um. Sounds okay. All right. Sounds okay. Sounds
0: okay to me. How's it going? Hi people. So, Lou, you were listening to us there as the first. Kind uh, of tales musician, uh, you jumped in pretty quickly into being
3: just the second sub- ever show. The
0: second ever show.
3: <laughs> um, you did your first show with no music, and then not since. <laughs> and it was literally the worst. It was the worst. It was all the, it was yeah. You had no point of Aaron reference. Aaron hated it.
0: Oh, I hate it. I hated it. You always hate silence. I don't like silence. It freaks me out. It freaks me out. Um, and so I guess we, we we've kind of had a lot of. Fun developing the music, finding like you guys have worked your asses off in def- defining. The kind of the kind of tales sound, I guess, over the years, mm. and you've gone through a number of
3: processes with that. Do you want to talk about why you find that? Oshin's oh, going to give us a bit, or do you want to give us your feedback? Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's all just it's all it's all about just laying down a groove, you know, something to to. It's it's like uh, it, it, it it's that, that being like the live version of Oshin's like podcast blanket, which is a <laughs> lovely way of putting that. It is. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, it's it's just it's just a groove and a tone for me you know, like um it's something for the story to sit on top of um and keep it trucking along and then um whatever and and you know something something in it to indicate the emotional t- tone of the of the mu- of the story, and that's it it's pretty it's a, like it's pretty simple it's just something to for the story to rest on
0: now, you know it's not simple and you know it's not um completely yeah simple is uh the th- our latest project and rue started this off basically uh in a really really cute way because he wanted to tell stories to his uh to my niece niece thank you yeah. and he was like Nep- girl nephew up, I remember. Yes, <laughs> Girl nephew, um, and that's really cute because I, I during this time of lockdown, I was like, oh, I want to, I miss telling stories to kids too. And Rue started the ball rolling with, with uh, getting getting a short podcasts for kids recorded, and we've said about kind of lo- looking at what three seasons might look like, and we've we've a first season coming soon,
3: and we're we're nearly four episodes done of season one. There will be five episodes. Of Candlet tales stories for kids, specifically for kids.
0: No death, no sexual innuendos. Which we left
3: that at the door. Some dark, dark undertones, but they're subtle.
0: They're subtle. They're <laughs> subtle, but also not swearing. That's important. Um, we're YouTube regulations. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and
3: Rue has just found out a whole world of Foley sounds yeah yeah well, well like, well, like we, we we started bringing them into live shows at one point they kind of they they, they were with they were running they were running strong in live shows at one point and then we kind of moved away from them i think but um yeah Now I, I i got myself a deadly little um recording device so i've been going around the place getting all sorts of like nature sounds and um just creating sound effects and learning how to do that like um uh, we were we were doing the story of the giants causeway, which involves the ju- the the giant like throwing these big rocks into the sea. So um, Aaron got a little video of me. I was I was standing over the bathtub, like dropping this th- this big wet towel f- from a height into the bathtub because it was the only thing I could find that w- that would make a sufficiently good like. Whoosh. I was like throwing stuff into a pot of water before <laughs> that and stuff, and it wasn't that doing was- the trick. <laughs> uh, the Pot of water wasn't working. Yeah, you look like a plip yeah plip. but then you can do all sorts of stuff like after you've made the recording to 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 make the big epic sound that you wanted by like just like cutting out little bits of it and, and making a mad multi-track thing and like messing around with EQ and like and you can get these big epic sounds like in the same story I've got I've got a, a giant squeezing his way into a little house um into Fionn McCool's house like and and he's he, the, he barely fits in it so the whole gaff is like creaking and stuff and I got it by like, um, there's this little wicker basket in my room. I just got a recording of me just like pulling and stretching at that, and then I was able to make this big, like kind of sound afterwards by just messing with the, the uh. EQ and such a bit after digging up the bass and stuff. Class, and I have to say, I've been listening Rue's room is up the
0: corridor here, and I've just been hearing like cackling. Fairy sounds, him going mental, adding little voices in. Um, it's hilarious. I cannot wait to listen to them all in one one go. Uh, because we've had a lot of fun. We love telling stories uh, to groups of kids and schools and when, when we get the chance, when we're invited by teachers. If you're a teacher, invite us to your school <coughs> um, when they're open again. Anyway, um, if they're open again, and I don't know, and if they're not, you'll have these podcasts to give to your kids or your kids' kids or your, you know friends' kids or your cousins' kids or whatever kids there that wanted to learn mythology we now have podcasts for those kids because that's something that I think is important and I wanted to do and I wanted to select you know a a, a mixture of folk and myth as well and have them fun but have them told in the of Tales way Uh, so that's that's exciting and uh, also a a new kind of a project so sorry
1: uh, we have a question another question from Erna um, asking you and me Aaron Aaron and Surica would you find you have to change with the music or is it the music change first I mean in a live performance
3: okay Ru answer that question uh, I would say it's two way dynamic <laughs> Um, that like the like I, often, often it goes like the storyteller will get all mystical in a moment and just do this and oh, and the music will come down but uh, but like uh, also like the other way happens too and just like I I'd like Aaron just to like wish a little bit now I'm gonna take this down and like this this automatic effect of like oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or if he wants gonna, me to I'm drum it up
0: and dum 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 yeah. Dum- yeah. yeah. Oh
2: Yeah, I remember at the very start when I was chatting to Ru about the music. He was like, "Oh, it's great. Ours is like a marionette." Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like
2: <laughs> <laughs> watch this. <laughs>
3: he's playing really loudly, and he's given hes up to ten and the bulls and the.
0: Uh, yeah, well, Derek, Derek, any one of our uh, other musicians that used to play with us, uh, he used to say that as well. Uh, of like, just And it would be a case of like, oh, you know, if I wanted something to kind of be louder or be quieter, you can just do that with your hands. Mm-hmm. But similarly, like if you get a drive from the music, all of a sudden that instantly jumps you into something. Mm-hmm. And really weirdly, one of the first live performances in Stag's head that we were listening back to it and Dar- and it was a beautiful flow it was like just just we were all in flow we were completely everything that was coming out of my mouth it was in harmony and rhyme and in sequence with the music that was ebbing and flowing perfectly and it was just all lovely until well, look,
1: we're not at all in flow right
0: now because that cut out oh no well anyway that's ironic because what I was going to say was Dara hit a bum note and like a microsecond later I tripped on word but he knew that he hit the bum note first and then, like, before I even heard it, I, I tripped on a word. I was just like, again, that's that kind of mm. synchronicity thing that you're on about, actually.
1: And I remember, yeah. I remember yeah, the, yes. the, uh, the rehearsal, I think it was for the, I'm pretty sure it was for Shadows of the Tawn, where I nearly had a nervous breakdown because um, you guys were trying to get me to end a sentence at the end of a bar and I didn't know I, I, I did like,
3: it was like that's so weird I was thinking about that earlier on today like, that's the, the you always remember that as the day that the Hegartys had too much sugar
1: it was the um, day that the Hegartys had too much was sugar the the day
3: we're were going Hagerty's mental was sugar. we were all in the big weird bus you
1: were the and then one we tried who to decided get you and freaked out were
0: Sugar is a dangerous thing And to be eaten with You know a prep, Appropriate uh, Responsible awareness
1: Somebody gave us We, we brought in an Easter egg And then Someone brought in Chocolate cake And then There was the Yeah we had too much sugar Um Hegarty's can't handle sugar It's a thing Um
2: Oh I blinded that one
1: Do you remember that one? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah you were stressed
2: That was the boomy room Yes Yes And I just that like. Help.
1: I do remember that being a conversation about like, you know, just just counting while you're talking. I can't count at the best of times. Uh, certainly not while I'm talking. And, and like landing at the end of the sentence. And actually it was Ushin said to me afterwards, you do that anyway. We're just trying to get you to make sure that you do it this time. And I realized that I'm definitely, like I'm definitely influenced by the music as long as I don't think about it. Because if I think about it, it's like a centipede trying to count its legs and I will just trip over and completely mess it up. Um, but yeah, if I don't think about it, it's great. Oisín.
2: That's uh, a really good point, actually, is the thinking about it and not thinking about it. I'm rarely thinking about it when we're performing. When we're actually in a story, I'm not thinking about it. We, and it, I know, like, generally speaking for music you should have it rehearsed and like if i'm doing any music stuff like songs or whatever that's like muscle memory you know uh, i practice them over and over again and it's most of memory and, and for that reason i'm not thinking about it but with the storytelling it's it's most memory for whatever progressions i'm playing but the actual floating and everything else that's dynamic so it's it's not thinking and if you think that's where you hit the bum note if some you know, if I start what I'm doing, I'll start seizing up and then that'll float out and it's the uneasiness. It's like that thing where you know, when we listen back to stuff and we're like, Oh, yeah. Well I don't know if anyone else would pick up on what that is and certainly you always say it really like they may not specifically know what's wrong, but they'll know something's out. Yeah. You know, something's slightly out of like it's, it's a buzz or something slightly out of, or something slightly out of time you may not listen to all of it unless you actually knew what it was supposed to sound like how could anyone know what that's supposed to be like because we don't even know most of the time at the start um it's
0: just a flutter um, Yeah and hello to Celia Ham who says uh, Well I would suspect that when you're on stage The sync between the fabulous music and the stories has a fantastic effect And it certainly lulls me into being able to tell the story better I really struggle telling the stories in podcast And it's become work Like it, it feels like work getting it done Now work I enjoy still But still work you know like Because it's less fun It's less crack Like the live shows are just so enjoyable and there, because we're you know we're we're putting into practice all of that previously rehearsed stuff that we've put together, and, and our own synchronicity, and the fact that we've been working together on these things for years now, and have gotten very good at reading each other and knowing he sign, the signs, and having the dip, and having the uh, the lift, or whatever it is, like it's just we've got we've built that rapport up now and without that in the podcast it's really kind of uh. and so that's why I'm really enjoying from home now working with Rue on his kids stories because we're kind of recreating that from home a little bit and having a lot of fun and and the fact that Rue has also figured out how to make crowd sounds with like
3: oh yeah they're fun oh my god
0: they're so much fun yeah,
3: we were making the, the sound of a of a Kaylee crowd or a, yeah a big crowd out, out of Kaylee, and it's just like there's there's there, there's a groove happening that's like bur just a little bass line playing. But when it gets to the bit in the story where where there there there's this young girl and a leprechaun passing through and the floods in town and everyone's there, and then it, this this line comes in, there's all these voices to create. <laughs> That effect, and gas crack putting those together. Going around my
0: head all day yesterday because all I heard from Rude's room was in various (laughs) forms. It's like, la
3: la 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 la, one minute and
0: then all all of the ranges all of the ranges um, listen I think we're going to be looking forward to this podcast releasing it soon we won't put a date in it it's a kids podcast coming soon season one is five episodes and we'll have some interesting stuff to go along with that Uh Pamela I love the podcast thank you very much for listening but would love to catch you live one day I bet it's a great time I cannot wait to see you at a show, Pamela. I hope you make it. I hope we're able to have a live show soon, that we can all be in a room together. We are being hit by no gigs, so no crack. Everyone is having lockdown and not been able to have the live shows. Every musician, every performer is experiencing that, and that's a bit of a, a dose, and we're all a bit sad about it. Uh, but it is the late half of the year. It's a it's beautiful day outside here anyway. I hope it is for you too. I hope you're able to go outside and enjoy yourself. I hope Biotane will... You'll be able to embrace beauty in your own special way. And we'll be having live shows soon, someday. And we'll be chatting to you very soon. And I guess the last thing to say Soraka.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say that one of the things that... Uh, we were talking about this during the week. One of the things that's really keeping us going is hearing from people. And hearing from you guys who are listening to the podcast. Like, we always hear creators say it. Like, oh, it really helps when you like and you leave a comment actually oh my god it really makes us feel so much more motivated and so much more connected when we hear from people so thank you so much you guys who tuned into the live stream today um, and left us comments as we were talking because it just helps us not feel like we're shouting into a void and thank you so much to everybody who's (laughs) listening to the podcast and like responding to the podcast because it's it's like that audience feedback it's it's a little time delayed but it's it's still there it means that there's still a connection going and i i i love it and i appreciate it a lot so thank you guys who uh who respond and comment and um if you enjoyed this uh please leave a like and a comment and you know where to find us on patreon and you guys know where to find us online and i think that,
2: that is probably where we're leaving for
0: today. And we're, on iTunes. we're on iTunes. We're on, iTunes, and we're now on and iTunes. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a like, we were a year late in getting onto iTunes. So if you are listening to this, uh, subscribe and leave a review Hi. on Apple, that'll be great. Uh, Celia asked another question. Um, basically, the answer to that is yes. Um, do, do we do that when we when we get going do we get out of our mind and into the set of the whole show absolutely you know we, we end up living the story and being part of it and I've been accused of being overly passionate um, I can't help it uh, you know it's just a thing uh, so can, uh,
1: my, my so, favourite was people telling me what what a great performer Aaron was because he managed to make his voice crack at a certain point in a sad story and I was like that's not performance. He was trying not to cry, the big baby.
0: <laughs> sure, I'm a great performer, okay? I'm an
1: actor.
2: And perform. Yeah, the acting, yeah, the acting bit, being being bit was him being talk.
1: able to talk. <laughs> he wept
2: mythically.
1: Yeah, he wept mythically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and a, as I've
0: always said, these, these stories are, are a way of a bit of a cathartic release. And a, a lot of it is just like getting into it and yeah, forgetting all the other stuff. So... Hopefully you're uh, safe, you're sound, you're keeping healthy and you're uh, still in some way social distancing but connecting nonetheless with others around you. So uh, lots of love from the Candlelit Tales team. It's the first time all of us have been together like this. So this is...
1: Yeah, and thanks guys for joining.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Salon. Salon.